You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of a series called Rooted in Christ by Pastor Daniel White. Now let's prepare our hearts as Pastor White brings forth God's truths from his word today. So just before we went to the Philippines, we looked at uh, uh, getting anger out of our lives and out of our home. The wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. We then spent an evening looking at bitterness, the root of bitterness, and how it will defile us and defile many others as well. We looked at steps we need to take to overcome uh, bitterness, and then we came back to look at this unconditional forgiveness issue. And so that's where we were last week, and here's how we're going to approach it tonight. I I took last week's message and I pulled some of the highlights out of it by means of review, and then we'll move into some new material, and some of it I've kind of uh, mixed up here, Um, and I really believe the Lord has something special for us tonight. I think some real ground has been gained in some of our hearts and some of our lives and our relationships, Uh, and maybe there's just a little bit more ground uh, that needs to be gained in order for us to come to full uh, freedom in this area of harboring a bitter spirit. So let's pray and ask the Lord's blessing upon the teaching tonight. Heavenly Father, we come before you and I ask you to help this preacher tonight as he seeks to communicate your truth. Thank you for all the, the wisdom that is given to us in the scripture of how to deal uh, with people uh, who hurt us, harm us, offend us, who sin against us, and just how easy it is to develop a bitter spirit towards them, but uh, to uh, really appropriate the grace of God in having this unconditional forgiveness as, as you have extended to us. And so, Lord, uh, we ask you to be, to be pleased, uh, to be honored and glorified with uh, what we're going to do here tonight. We've come here with hearts that are open and receptive uh, to hear your word and your teachings. And so, Father, please... Uh, Send your blessed Holy Spirit to do a work that only he can do as the great teacher. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, It's going to be a little bit difficult for me tonight. Um, Let me see what's going on here. Okay. Uh, I do not have the projector on the back for whatever reason. It's not working. Uh, Usually when those guys stick their hand out there and they start click, 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 I'm like, it's not going to work. Because it's saying, turn on, turn off, turn on, turn off, turn on, turn off. And then it says, I'm not doing anything, is what it says. Uh, So we have no projector on the back. So I'm going to have to turn around occasionally uh, so I can see what's uh, behind me here. But this is where Peter comes across Simon. And Peter says these words to Simon. I think it's quite interesting. He said, for I, what? Perceive. Isn't it interesting how we can perceive bitterness in the heart of someone when they can't even perceive it themselves? I perceive that thou art in the gall. The description of bitterness, that gall, we talked about that, that bile that comes out of the liver. Look. That thou art in the gall. He couldn't have described it in a worse term. Thou art in the gall of bitterness. And then it says this, and in the what? Bond or bondage of iniquity. And so we're going to look again tonight. When we allow ourselves to become bitter, it puts us into a prison of bondage. And Peter was immediately able to perceive this in the heart, in the life of 
Simon. So it is possible to live with an unforgiving spirit for so long that you don't even recognize its presence in your own life. You can have a root of bitterness there, which is troubling you and defiling many others, and yet you yourself cannot even see that you are bitter. Isn't it just like Satan to blind us from that? Because he certainly does not want us to come to victory in this area. Now, most people, and this is, this is just my experience in dealing with people and counseling people, most people, I can perceive right away that they are bitter, but it's very difficult to get them to that place where they will admit it. They'll say such things as this, I've been hurt, I've been disappointed, or I've been offended. But for them to say, I am bitter, they just have a really difficult time in doing that. All right? So admitting that you're bitter, you're halfway there to victory. Do you understand what I'm saying there? So you've got to come to the place where you recognize, I am bitter. So how can I forgive? When I have been hurt so deeply, when someone has wounded me, and this happens, this is life, right? The Bible tells us in James chapter 3 and verse 1 and verse 2, it's impossible to live your life without offenses coming. Offenses are going to come. Sometimes people will offend you purposely, but most of the time it comes and it's Sometimes it's wrongly perceived. Sometimes it just wasn't meant to offend, but it does. But we cannot live with people without people hurting us, wounding us, offending us from time to time. So how do we deal with it? Well, Satan comes along and he says, well, uh, you, can't, you'll, you'll just, that you can't forgive them for what they did. They know exactly what they did. They purposely were out to hurt you. And then he'll say something like this. They don't even have any right to be forgiven by you. You have every right to be bitter against them. And on and on and on and on and on he goes. But the truth is, the Apostle Paul said, I can do all things through what? Christ. So we're going to talk to them. Remember what we talked about Sunday? We talked about the... Remember what we talked about Sunday? The grace of God. And how God's grace is just what? Heaped upon us. Grace upon grace. Grace upon grace. Whenever you need more grace, it's always there at your disposal. And so God wants to extend to each and every one of us, no matter how deeply we have been hurt, wounded, and offended, He wants to extend His grace to us so we can do all things through Christ. Does that include forgiving our offenders? Yes, it can be done. So don't listen to the blah, blah, blah of Satan when he tells you you cannot forgive. When he says there's no way you could possibly forgive that person for what they did, say that is not true. Are you with me, church? That is not true. I can, in Christ, do this. And we're going to learn the principles of doing it tonight. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love and any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels of mercy, fulfill ye my joy that you be like-minded, having this, uh, uh, having the same love, being of one accord and one mind. You have been listening let nothing to the be done Baptist through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Wouldn't the world like be a wonderful place if we lived out that verse? At fbcclarklay.org, where all of our messages Now the world may not live it out, but we can. Also, you can Amen? subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church. 
sermon. Look not every man upon his own things, but every man also upon the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And then, say with me, I can do all things. Say with me, I can do all things through Christ with strength and So his strength, his grace, is there to help you forgive those who have trespassed against you. So what is biblical forgiveness? It's when you come to the place where you say, I'm going to release my offender. What does the Bible say? Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Now we're going to come back to that. Keep that in mind. We're going to come back to that right at the very end of the lesson tonight and make the application. But forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. We're going to let them out of debtor's prison. We're going to release them. We're no longer going to hold them in debt to us. We are no longer going to say to them, will you owe me? You have hurt me. You've offended me. You've wounded me. You've sinned against me. So you owe me. We're going to let it go. Okay, church? We're going to, let, we're going to release them from that prison that we've been holding them in. Forgiveness means that you fully, you fully, you completely clear their record. As far as the east is from the what? West. So far has he removed our sin and our iniquity from us. So we are to forgive as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven us. So we're erasing, we're erasing the offense. We're clearing his or her record. Next, forgiveness means that you never, you never bring up the offense against him to God. You don't bring it up to others and you don't bring it up to him or her. You're just letting it, you never bring it up again. On what's that basis? Their sin and in their iniquity, I will what? I will remember no more. So that's what it means to come to full forgiveness. Now, forgiveness is a choice. You either choose to forgive or you choose not to forgive. Every one of you here tonight who've been hurt, wounded, offended, how many of you have been hurt, wounded, or offended? Okay? Can't live life without it. So we're going to leave here tonight making a choice. Every one of us are going to make a decision. We're going to make a decision either we are going to forgive that person or we are not going to forgive them. We're going to hold bitterness toward them. Now remember what the Bible says, the joy of the Lord is our what? It's our strength. And so what happens when you have a bitter spirit? You lose your, you lose your joy. And so we want, to, we want to make the right decision tonight. So if we've come in here looking like this, we want to leave looking like this. Give me an amen. Amen. We don't want to leave here without getting our joy back. Remember what David said? Restore unto me the what? joy of thy salvation. Uphold me with thy free spirit. So we want to leave here tonight with joy. We want to leave here tonight with freedom, not being held in that bitter prison. Sometimes we come to this place. Let's just be honest. We say, well, I won't forgive. I'm just not going to do it. They hurt me too deeply. I am going to hold them in debt 
to me for what they have done. So if we refuse, if we say tonight, I just want to warn you right up front, if we say tonight, I am not going to forgive that person, then we have some warnings in Scripture that I think we really need to heed. This is the teachings of Jesus. He said, for if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, okay, Pastor, we talked about this, didn't we, after service last Wednesday night. This is, this is a hard teaching. But as far as I'm concerned, there's only one way to interpret this. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, what's the next word? Neither. Neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So does that mean that my forgiveness is, is hinged upon me forgiving others? Yes, that's what it says. This isn't the only place that says it. Luke chapter 6, verse 37 says, Judge not, and ye shall not be judged. Condemn not, and ye shall not be condemned. Say it with me. Forgive, and ye shall be forgiven. I think what we need, however, is a little bit of clarity in this. And I tried to do that last week just simply by mentioning some things. But I think there's two uh, different, distinct types of forgiveness in the Scripture. Okay? And let me tell you what I mean by that. First of all, when a person gets saved, the Bible teaches that we are forgiven of our sin, past, present, and what? Future. We, are for, we have been forgiven of all of our trespasses. Past, present, and future. Okay, if that's the case, if we have been forgiven past, present, and future, then how do we have the teaching that if we don't forgive, we won't be forgiven? One sounds unconditional, and the other sounds what? Conditional. So do we have a contradiction in Scripture here? No. We've always heard, if you think there's a contradiction, it's not in Scripture, it's in your understanding of Scripture. So here we compare Scripture with Scripture, and let's see what the Bible has to say about these two distinct kinds of forgiveness. This is what we call positional forgiveness. So once you receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are positionally forgiven, and 77 times in the New Testament it tells us that we are in Christ. So when God sees us, he doesn't see us as who we are. He sees us in Christ. Give me an amen. amen. Positional forgiveness. But then there's the other kind of forgiveness, and this is what we're talking about here in these passages, <clears throat> that after salvation, do we continue to sin? Now, we should sin less and less as we live out our Christian experience, but yes, we continue to sin. Therefore, the Bible tells us to confess our sin and to repent of our sin. Okay? And if we confess and we repent, he will what? He will forgive. Now, wait a minute. I thought we were forgiven. Class. Are we forgiven or are we not forgiven? Are we forgiven? Are we not forgiven? I'm going to ask again. Are we forgiven? Are we not forgiven? The answer is yes. 
depends on what forgiveness you're talking about. If you're talking about positional forgiveness, we are forgiven, past, present, and future. If you are talking about if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We're talking about relational forgiveness now. So we have positional forgiveness in Christ, but then there's this relational forgiveness. And this is what it's talking about. If we, will our relationship with the Lord be affected if we do not forgive? Yes. That fellowship is going to be broken. Now, positionally, we are in Christ. We will always be in Christ. We can never be out of Christ. But when it comes to relational, it's just like your your children. My children will always be my children, but a lot of times our relationship is affected. And that relationship will continue to be affected until they come and make things right with Dad. And then it can be restored. So this is what we're talking about here in these passages of Scripture. Guys, my computer's frozen. So if we can just try to identify this with these pictures here. We have relational forgiveness. There's Christ walking with us in fellowship. And then we have positional forgiveness where you can see we're in Christ or within the body of Christ here. Now, I want to just pull this verse out of this passage, and then we're going to look at this passage again tonight. And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the what? Tormentors. Tormentors. If you refuse to forgive, you will be delivered to the tormentors. You'll be tormented. And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. Now here you have the teachings of Jesus again. So likewise. That's why I highlighted it. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brothers their trespasses. So if we refuse to forgive Jesus said, you are going to be tormented just like that man that was put in prison and delivered over to the tormentors. So let's now look at the whole passage in which we pulled that verse. Okay, are you ready? Are you all still with me tonight? Okay, this is really important. So here's Jesus talking to Peter. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him till seven times? That sounds pretty generous, doesn't it? Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until, what church? Seventy times seven. What is Jesus teaching? Just You just continue to forgive. Jesus is teaching unconditional forgiveness. Now Jesus tells this story. He said, therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take an account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him 10,000 talents. Let's say a million dollars. Million dollar debt. Before as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife, and children, and all that he had, and payment be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. 
Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. But the same servant, Jesus said to Peter, went out and found one of his fellow servants which owed him a hundred pence, or let's put that in terms of 20 bucks. So how much did the servant owe? A million. How much did his servant owe him? $20. Pretty no comparison. All right, so let's find out what he did. And he laid hold of him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And the fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Is that exactly what he had said? Same words. And he would not. He refused to forgive him of the debt. Remember, when someone sins against us, it's a debt. Don't hold them in debt to you. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt, that million dollar debt, because thou desirest me. Should not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? Now let's stop. Can you think of the analogy here? What has Christ forgiven us of? A million dollar debt, right? This huge sin debt. And so who are we to hold something against someone who has just sinned, to, sinned against us in such a small way? And his Lord was wroth. Remember at first he had compassion on him, but because he was unwilling to forgive his fellow servant, now the king is wroth with him and delivered him unto the tormentors. Now, I don't think there's, and so that's when Jesus, this, so likewise, shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, Peter, if you don't forgive. 70 times seven. If ye from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. Now, there's not one of us here tonight that want to be locked up in a bitter prison and delivered over to the tormentors. But I think many of us here tonight could confess that there's been times in our life when we have held bitterness towards someone and that's exactly how we felt. It just bothered us, it troubled us, and we were just locked up and tormented. That's what happens when you have a bitter heart. <clears throat> it doesn't so much hurt the other person as much as it hurts what? As much as it hurts yourself. And here we have this teaching by the Apostle Paul. To whom ye forgave anything, I forgave also. For if I forgave anything, to whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgave. He's getting the forgave in here, isn't he? 
I forgave it for your sakes, forgave I it in the person of Christ. And then he makes this statement, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. So if we say, I am not going to forgive, number one, we will not be forgiven. We will not have that relationship with the Lord, that personal fellowship with the Lord. Second, we're going to be locked up in a prison of a bitter spirit and delivered over to the tormentors. And third, what do we find here? Satan is going to what? Satan is going to get an advantage in our lives. Now, it doesn't specifically tell us what kind of advantage. It may be different in each one of our lives, but we literally open ourselves to Satan's attack. Now, this teaching that you're receiving tonight is as serious as it gets. Because so many of us are locked up in that prison. Unforgiven and giving Satan an advantage in our lives. That is not how God has intended us to live our Christian experience. And I really pray tonight that if there's anyone left here who has not come to freedom, that you do business with the Lord tonight and you get released. Be angry. There is a righteous anger. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. If we let the sun go down upon our wrath, listen, and we stew over all this, especially during the night watches, what happens? We're going to wake up what? We're going to wake up bitter. And we're going to, this is exactly what's going to happen here. Neither give place to what? You are going to give Satan an advantage in your life. What a foolish, foolish thing for us to do to give ground to the destroyer. That's why we have to understand how personally destructive a bitter spirit is and a, a, a spirit that's just unwilling to forgive. <clears throat> Let no corrupt communication proceed out of here. You have a bitter spirit, corrupt communication is going to come out. You're going to say something bad about that person. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, the building up, that it may minister. What's the next word? Grace. We're going to talk about grace here in a minute. Grace unto the hearers, and grieve not the Holy Spirit, whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption. Grieve the Holy Spirit. That fellowship that you can have with the Lord is going to be hindered. Let all, what? Bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, malice that desire for revenge. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Great passage of scripture to memorize and put into your heart. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 15 says, looking diligently, lest any man fail the, the what? Grace of God. Isn't that interesting how that word grace keeps popping up here when it comes to forgiveness? The grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up and trouble you and thereby many 
be defiled. Listen, I cannot be bitter against someone without that bitterness affecting someone else. It's impossible. It's going to spill over like a cancer and affect other people. Do you know there have been churches that have absolutely been destroyed by bitterness? It's just spread from one member to another right through a whole church fellowship and destroyed churches. Boy, don't you think Satan just loves it when something like that happens? It's destroyed families. How many, how many, how many of you know families that have been destroyed because of bitterness? So sad. And boy, can it ever root itself deeply. See that hand coming out of that root? You know what that represents? Pride. I'm not letting go. I am not going to forgive. They don't deserve it. Ephesians chapter 3. And to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. That we're talking about spirit filling here. Now watch this. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all we could ask or think. What an amazing description of the grace of God. Is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Now, how many of you have the power within you to forgive anyone and everyone for whatever they have done to you? you know what that power is? It's the spirit of grace. So there's not one of us here in this room who know the Lord that do not have that power within us through the Holy Spirit to forgive anyone and everyone for whatever they have done. And, and this, I like how this all ends up here. Unto him be glory. What happens when we don't forgive? The Lord isn't glorified in and through our lives. Satan is. He's the one we've given ground to. He's the one we've given the place to. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. And then an amen to finish that off. So, how can I access the grace of God? If you were really listening closely to Sunday's message, right at the very end, I told you how you can access the grace of God. Does anybody remember? What? Humble yourself. But he giveth more grace Grace upon grace. He giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto what? How do we humble ourselves? God, I need your grace. In and of myself, I cannot forgive this. They have hurt me. They have wounded me. They have offended me. They have done evil against me. They have trespassed against so deeply, Lord, in and of myself, I don't even want to forgive them. But I know that you have the power that if I would just yield to you and confess this bitterness as sin and repent of it, that, Lord, you would fill me with your Holy Spirit and you would empower me. You would give me the grace that I need to forgive them for what they've done. 
that's how we humble. And we got to mean it, not just words that we say, but we got to mean it in our heart. 1 Peter 5, 5. Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another. Be clothed with humility. Put it on from the top of your head to the sole of your foot. Be clothed with humility. And here it's said again, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will lift you up. He'll lift you out of that bitterness. <clears throat> this is a, you, you, you will hear me teach certain things over and over and over again. Why? Because they've changed my life. This is a verse that's changed my life. It says, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, is it his will to impart his forgiving grace to us? If we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. We know he hears that prayer. And if we know that he heareth us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. So is, listen, if we really come to him in the way that I just showed you, and we really mean that with all of our heart, and we home, is he going to withhold his grace from us? Absolutely not. He's going to pour it out exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ask or think, and he will give us the ability to forgive people that we thought we would never be able to forgive and even forget what they've done. It's an amazing thing. And so we step back and we say, I didn't do that, God did that. I could not end of myself ever have forgiven them, much less have even forgotten what they did. Sometimes God will even take those offenses that they've did and he'll turn them around and ashes for beauty and we look back and we say, God, thank you that they did that to me. We then are thankful for the offense because it's produced some wonderful fruit in our lives. I'm just telling you, God is an amazing God. Remember, grace is God doing for you what you can't do for yourself. So what is our standard of forgiveness? Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven us. What has he not forgiven us of? He's forgiven us of everything. Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Now, this is kind of where we stopped. Last, I've thrown some new teachings in there and reviewed some old. But we just talked about this story, about this prostitute who came and threw herself at Jesus' feet. <clears throat> and how horrified that the Pharisees were. So let's read this whole story, okay? Can you do this with me tonight? We're going to read this whole story, so stay with me. Here we go. And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down at meat. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, we know she was a prostitute, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought and alabaster box of ointment. Now this was perfume, that which she would use in her prostitution. And stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with her tears. Now I'll tell you something, for this woman to burst into the home of a Pharisee, what does that tell you about her? 
She is broken. And she is as humble as you could possibly be. There's a song written about this woman called Broken and Spilled Out. It's a powerful song. She began to wash his feet with tears. Those are tears of repentance. And did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with, with this ointment, pouring out her old life. Now when the Pharisees which had bitten him saw it, he spake within himself, this man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. Gasp! And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have someone to say unto thee, because he could read his mind and heart. And he saith, Master, say on. He said, There was a certain creditor which had two debtors, the one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house, and thou gavest me no water for my feet. That was customary to do that, but he didn't do it. But she has washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, which was the common custom of greeting in the East. But this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou dost not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are what? Forgiven. Why? Because he knew her heart. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. What an amazing story. The Bible says, and you being dead in your sins and uncircumcised in your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. What is the picture in the background here? Moses holding the Ten Commandments. Sin is a transgression of the law. Someone give me one of the Ten Commandments. Quickly, come on. What? Thou shalt not steal. How many of you have ever taken something that didn't belong to you? Can I see your hand? Okay. Someone give me another Ten Commandment. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. How many have ever put anything before the, before the Lord in your life? Okay. Someone else. Thou shalt not covet. How many here have ever coveted something that their neighbor has had? Okay, someone else. Come on. What? Honor your father and your mother. How many here have ever dishonored their parents? Give me another one. Thou shalt not bear false witness. 
How many have ever told a lie? Someone else? Thou shalt not commit adultery. Ever, listen to me. Please, isn't it time to talk among yourselves? When we work our way through the law of God, are we just as guilty as this woman? If not more so. You know why we don't forgive? Because we have not wrapped our mind around how much we have been forgiven. We have the same attitude that the Pharisee had. That's why we struggle when it comes to forgiving someone who sins against us. The act of forgiveness is just the starting place in dealing with those who have wronged us. This initial act of forgiveness has to be followed up with a second step. Okay? And this, this how many remember Fred Flintstone, Fred and Barney and Wilma and Betty and, you know, Bam Bam? Boy, you poor kids can't remember that. I feel sorry for these poor, underprivileged teenagers. But remember how Fred Flintstone would be driving in his, what did they, what, they call that? His rockmobile, is that what they called it? You making up stories again, Doug? And he'd stick his feet out, you know, and he'd use his feet as a brake and they'd smoke and... Here's what happens. Listen. I pretty much had all of you with me as we were going through the first half of this. Yeah, we can do that. And we can pray and ask the Lord to give us grace. And yeah, we can forgive. But now when we come to the second step, we're Fred Flintstone's putting on the brakes. You say, what is the second step? It's investing positively in the life of that person who has offended, hurt, and wounded you so deeply. So if we want to come to real healing emotionally and be released, we, then that next step, okay, I've, I've released them, I've forgiven them, but now I'm going to start investing in their life. <laughs> I can see some of you right now, I got the brakes on. I can tell it by the look on your face, you're kind of gritting. Like, this is hurting. Investing? Positively in the life of someone who has hurt me so deeply? Yep. But I say unto you which hear, not everyone will hear this. Remember, he that hath ears to hear, let him what? So a lot of people are going to turn off, put the brakes on. But I say unto you which hear, love your enemies, say it with me, do good to them which... Seriously? Seriously? Do good to them which hate you. The, 
These are what we call the hard sayings of Jesus. The hard teachings. <sighs> that clock. The Great Commission. Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, get them saved, teaching them, right? Teaching them all things whatsoever I have commanded. That word teach means disciple. It's the same word from which you get the word disciple. Disciple them to follow my teachings. What am I doing tonight? What's your preacher doing tonight? I'm discipling you to follow Christ's teachings. When Paul went to Antioch, so many people were saved and needed disciple discipleship that he called for Barnabas to come and help him. How many remember that story? So Barnabas comes up, and for one year, the Bible says they taught. The same word, they, they, they taught the disciples there the teachings of Jesus, and then it says this, and they were first called Christians at Antioch. How many of you here would say, I'm a Christian? Can I see your hand? You say, I am a Christian. We would all raise our hand and say, I am a Christian. You know what a Christian is? A Christian is someone who follows the teachings of Christ. That's what a Christian is. A Christian isn't someone who's just born again. They taught much people there, and they taught them to be Christians. So what am I doing tonight? I am teaching you to be a Christian. So what I'm saying is it's easy to say I'm a Christian, but it's another thing to really be a Christian. How many of you really want to be a Christian? Then not only do we just initially forgive, but then we invest. Do good to them which hate you. Bless them that curse you. Pray for them which despitefully use you. But love your enemies and do good. And Len, hoping for nothing again, your reward should be great, and you should be called the children of the highest, for he is kind to the unholy and to the evil. Be therefore merciful as your Father also is merciful. So now we, we have to start investing positively in those people who have hurt us, wounded us, offended us, harmed us. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things which are honest in the sight of all men, if possible, much of life within you, live peaceably with all men. Let me skip down because of time. Therefore, if thy enemy hunger, what? Feed him. Don't be bitter toward him. Feed him. If he thirst, what? Give him some to drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire upon his head. Be not overcome with evil. Don't bite and devour one another. Be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with, with good. So what does he say to do here? If you have odd against someone, you forgive them in your heart, and then you take the initial step of action, and you feed them. Or you give them drink, if they need drink. For in so doing, ye shall heap coals of fire upon their head. Usually when we, seriously, when I first heard that phrase, heap coals of fire on their head, I was like, yeah, they deserve it. <laughs> Pour the coals on. 
And then my daddy had to teach me that's not what that means. What does it mean, heap coals of fire upon their head? You know, back in the days when they didn't have matches or lighters, keeping your fire going was a pretty important thing. And if your enemy's fire went out, a good gesture to do was to give him a little coals to get his fire going again. Instead of saying, ah, he can just stay cold. Then there's those who say, you know, I really, someone said to me, this, this was said to me almost the exact words last Wednesday night after church. I really have forgiven, but I still struggle with feelings of hurt. The key to overcoming that hurt is investing in your offender. You know what that says? I haven't quite gone all the way yet. For brethren, you have been called into liberty. Use, only use not your liberty as occasion of flesh, but by love, serve one another. If you really want to choose the pathway of forgiveness, you've got to say, okay, now I'm going to serve them. How many would agree with me? This is a tough saying. I mean, it rips contrary to the flesh. But here's the principle. Where your treasure is, there will what? You start investing your treasure in the lives of those that you're bitter towards. I'm going to tell you, there's going to be an amazing thing happen. Your heart's going to change. You, you, You won't be able to stop it from changing. And he opened his mouth and taught them the teachings of Jesus. What did he teach them? But I say unto you that ye resist not evil. Was, is he saying give in to evil? Is that what he's saying? He's saying, no, when someone does evil towards you, don't resist it. That's what we do, right? We resist people doing evil towards us. We're going to give it right back. We're going to resist it. You do evil toward me, I'm going to do evil toward you. You bite me, I bite you. You hurt me, I hurt you. You offend me, I'm going to offend you. I have the last word, you know. He said, don't resist evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, mm, hard teachings. Turn to him the other also. If any man will sue thee at law and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. What does he say? Don't get lawyered up. Wow. This is not how the world thinks. Is it, church? And then Jesus said, And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. That's the law of the second mile. So under Roman law, if I was a Roman soldier, okay, 
I could come up to David and I could say to David, David, here, carry my armor for one mile. And I'd give my armor to David. And he'd go, <laughs> and he'd have to carry my armor for one mile. He had to do it under law. Now, he didn't have to go two miles, but he did, under law, have to carry my armor. He had to carry it a mile. But then at the end of that mile, David says to me, Sir, would you mind if I carried it one more mile? Now, what is the response of his enemy going to be? Come on, talk to me. What's his response going to be? Are you serious, son? You want to go another mile with me? Yes, sir. I'd be honored to carry your armor for another mile if you let me. In that first mile, David and I are enemies. But what has happened in the second mile? We started to develop a friendship. Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemy, bless them that curse you. Uh oh, here it comes. Do what? Do good to them that hate you. And then he ends by saying this, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Wow, I'm going to tell you something. It's pretty hard to be bitter towards someone that you're praying for them every day. See, what, what we want to happen is for our hearts to change. Not just for our actions, but our hearts to change. That ye may be the children of the Father which is in heaven, for he maketh the sun to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain to the just and the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? And if ye you salute your brethren only, what do you the more than others? Do not even the publicans so? But therefore, uh, be ye therefore perfect even as your Father, which is in heaven, is perfect. Can I tell you something? There's none of us here that are perfect. But all oh, how we need perfection in this area. I've forgiven them, but I'll never be able to forget what they did to me. Remember, I'm telling you, God's grace is so amazing. When God forgives us, it says he forgets. Now, if we're to forgive as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven us, don't you think that God, if we really do everything that Jesus is teaching us, that God can just wipe that from our memory? Just take that hurt completely away to where we now become thankful for it. A young lady uh, called me yesterday. We talked. It was late into the evening last night. She actually is here tonight. And she went through some times of real bitterness in her life. And she learned these principles that I'm telling you tonight. And she came to absolute freedom from her bitterness. And now she said to me, I'm thankful for the way I was treated. 
and the things that they did to me bad, I am now thankful for it because God has used that to open a ministry to her in the lives of others. We serve an amazing God. But you know what? If you want to be locked up in prison, (laughs) if you want to be tormented, if you want to have your relationship with the Lord hindered, if you want to give Satan an advantage in your life, you know what? Leave here tonight without making a decision to forgive and then invest in your offender's life. We are to forgive as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven us. So the choice. Either we are going to choose forgiveness or we're going to choose bitterness. And it's a quarter after and I still did not get through the lesson tonight. But what choice are you going to make? Let's pray.